Hey everyone, welcome to Share Your Sparkle, and I'm your host, Dr. Darlene Berrios. Today is episode 11. Don't you want to stop wondering? All right, everybody, before I get started, I do have a few things. One, I want to apologize to my New York family because I didn't give them a shout out and I didn't give my Texas family a shout out the last time I recorded. So I apologize. I also want to make a correction or uh, fix what I said last episode when I talked about baseball and it's um, when I referred to it, I misspoke and it should be batting a thousand. Um, but I said something like, I don't know, batting a hundred, something like that. So thank you fans for bringing that to my attention. For those of you who haven't, who haven't done podcasting or audio editing, it's kind of a pain um, or it takes a long time to edit stuff. So this is my fix. I'm just apologizing. <laughs> All right, people, today I have a reading. I have a few stories and then I'm going to end with a quote. So episode 11, don't you want to stop wondering? The reading I have to you for you today is from the Sacred Yes. All of you know, like I love this book so far. The Sacred Yes, Letters from the Infinite by, or as revealed to Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. And um, just to give you a reminder, she um, gets the, the messages from the divine and writes them up. So this section is called, I am greater than your names for me. The Sacred Yes, as revealed to Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. I never said that I was the father. That is your reference point for me. I said, I am the living God. I am that I am. The names you give me reflect your society's cultural values and norms. Some of your cultures describe me in terms of the elements, such as the wind, the earth, or the sea. Some describe me as the energy force around them, such as life, evolution, or transformation. Still, others refer to me in terms of their own hierarchical structure, such as king, lord, master, or father. However, I am none of these things in the particular, yet I am all of them in the whole. The names you use to refer to me reflect what you hold in esteem and what you consider to be all-powerful. You equate me with those things that you regard as having power over your human conditions. However, To see me in some things to the exclusion of others is not to see me at all. It is good that you see me in the opulent, but do you see me in the humble? It is fine that you see me in my majesty, but do you see me in my simplicity? I have no qualms about you referring to me as Lord as long as it does not preclude you from seeing me in your mirror and in the face of your brother. Do you see me in the faces of the ones on the street? Do you see me in the gangs that you worry so much about, or even in the tax collectors? Not often enough. I am more than eyes can see and words can tell. Remember that I cannot be captured in your words. I am the reference point for your words that transcends the words themselves. Any linguistic reference to me, any mental construct is too small, too restrictive, You choose to identify me with certain aspects of my expression that bring you solace and comfort, or conversely, that support your confusions about me. However, when you are stuck in seeing me in a particular form of expression, 
You fail to see me in all things. It is fine to see me as order, only if you can still see me in the midst of the chaos and claim my presence there. Or do you see only the chaos and think that I am absent? Blaming me for any supposed absence is merely the evidence of your inability to pierce through the veil of appearance and observe my eternal presence. I neither come nor go. I am everywhere at all times. When you pray when you pray to me, I do not arrive. Your prayer opens your own eyes to receive my good, which was merely awaiting your conscious recognition. I give freely to all who would partake. I never refuse anyone because refusal would be a retraction, and I can never be less of myself. The same is true for you. Since it says in scripture that you were made in our image and likeness, you have become fixated on a physical image. A more linguistically correct translation of quote-unquote image is quote-unquote nature. You are made in a nature that is spiritual and you have spiritual powers. When you know that you are one with me, you are able to direct these powers in a concentrated fashion for a higher purpose. You are using these powers all the time anyway. It can be no other way. You are not flesh and bone. You are spirit, and your every thought and deed is creative. The debate over whether I am to be represented in a male or female image is simply that, a figment of your imagination. This is not a criticism, merely an observation. I do not care what image you use so long as it brings you closer in your understanding of your oneness with me. Since language reflects current technologies and it, it constantly changes, your present culture is more likely to perceive me as a divine planner or a master physician or a supreme being. These you resonate with more than with Lord or King, since you have devalued and striven to eliminate absolute monarchies, and out of the context of an absolute monarchy, those terms lose their flavor. Yes, I am your father. I am also your mother, your sister, brother, friend, mate, partner, coach, confidant, shepherd, and the like. I am anything and everything that you need. I am all needs met. Do not let your tendencies to project human characteristics onto me preclude you from communing with me in my allness. I don't put you into a box. Don't put me in one either. It is important that you see me as all things so that you may see yourself that way. I do not intend for you to divide and separate yourselves through labels and classifications. No one is higher in my eyesight than another. I embrace all of you individually and collectively. You are to do the same with and for each other. If you use your gender constructs to refer to me, the notion of being yin-yang would be more accurate. I am the fullness of both masculine and feminine energies, not merely one or the other. This is necessary for I am balance. It is necessary for you to recognize the same within yourself for you to be balanced also. Some would say that the masculine is greater than the feminine, just as some would mistakenly say that the light is greater than the darkness. This is not the case. The darkness and the light are the same to me, and they would be so to you if you saw me everywhere. I am the roar of the ocean and the coolness of the breeze. I am spring in full blossom and winter in waiting. I am motion and repose, law and love. Embrace my feminine energy so that you may feel my love. You fail to experience me as your comforter because you fail to embrace my feminine energy. 
You perceive me as a critical judge who sentences you, or at least as a spiritual accountant who keeps track of whether or not your credits outweigh your debits. In order to feel my love, you must see me as loving, forgiving, nurturing, embracing, and non-judgmental. You refer to these qualities as feminine in your culture, although either male or female may express them. This tendency to attribute the feminine to females exclusively and the masculine to males exclusively is very, very problematic. It creates much havoc in the world. The status of women is so low around the world that the feminine is not appreciated nor deliberately emulated. A world that only expresses masculine energy cannot survive. The same is true for those that express purely the feminine. The masculine societies have already overthrown the feminine ones and are steadily working on overtaking each other. This is madness and sadness in the making. Know who you are in me. Remember the balance. I am balance. I am that I am. Don't confine your understanding of yourself to relative terms. You exist in the absolute, as do I. It is fine that you pause to celebrate the accomplishment accomplishments of actual mothers as you do on Mother's Day. It is even better for you to understand that you are never a motherless child in the universe. When you know that I am your mother as well as the mother of your children and of everything else, you will not feel such an onerous burden of responsibility to caretake everything and make certain that it all turns out all right. You would release it to me, resting in my bosom, as well as leaning on my everlasting arms. The sacred yes. Letters from the infinite as revealed to Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. I don't know who needed to hear that message today, but it was part of um, my praying and what I thought I should send your way. So um, before I tell my stories, I do want to say a a small story about um, responsibility and choices. I think um, it came to me while I was hiking this morning that um, I'm putting stuff out there in the universe because um, I was really kind of just, I wanted to produce something and I wanted to share stories with the world, not just mine, but um, others as well through either the books that I read or the interviews that I will host. Um, But at the end of the day, my dad hates that at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, you have to be responsible for you and your choices. And um, Brene Brown, she does um, research on shame and vulnerability. um, And she tells a story about holding some conference once. And I'm sorry, I don't remember all the details, but, you know, she's pretty inspiring if you've ever heard her. Or if you haven't, I recommend just, you know, listening to one of her TED Talks, or I believe she also has a podcast as well. Um, And it's really interesting to hear her speak about, um, you know, courage and being vulnerable and um, things in our society that are tended, that are um, sometimes frowned upon. Um, So she did her talk and... um, some person from the audience came up to her and this guy, he was like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And she was like, all right. Um, and basically I, I believe it had to do with, um, and please forgive me if I'm wrong, but he confessed his love to someone and the, he got, 
totally got shot down. Um, and the person, you know, completely rejected him and he was pissed. He was like really mad at um, Brene Brown. But here's my thing. And here's what I'm, I'm going to say about that. One, own your choices. No matter what te- someone tells you in life and what you decide to you to do, don't blame anyone for what you do. Um, and I, I'm saying that because I'm talking and sharing these stories and it might trigger or it might um, guide you in a direction to do something, which is totally fine. And I guess this is what this is. This episode is about is like, do you want to stop wondering um, and take some action in life so that you stop wondering, you know, about things that you didn't do or should have done. Um, but I felt like it was important before I launched into my stories to say, if you do something, it's on you. <laughs> I mean, I hope things turn out well, but at the end of the day, isn't it better that you know than not know, right? Um, so my first story actually has to do with teaching years ago. And um, I, when I first started teaching, I was in second grade. But after four years, I moved up to fifth grade. And the cool thing about that, and it was in the same um, district. The cool thing about that was that I was able to teach some of my old students in second grade sometimes. So it was really neat, you know. Um, not everybody, because there were three classrooms per grade so I didn't get all of my old students but I did get some um, old former second graders and that was just a really wonderful experience one year um, I got my class roster so I usually got them in the summer before uh, school started and I noticed that I had a student on my list that had a very tragic incident happen over the summer her father had been murdered on his birthday, and um, at the time, they didn't find the people who um, killed him, and I believe to this day, that's still unsolved. So he was a taxi driver, and he was doing his job, and he got murdered on the job on his birthday, and it happened to be that she was going to be in my class that fall. So I was, you know, worried because this is such a huge event in her life. I was worried about what role or how comforting I could be to her. And um, it just, it weighed heavy on my heart, you know, because I was her teacher. In her life story, after that happened to her dad, she ended up in my classroom. Wonderful kid. As far as I know, I I believe she, the last time I heard about her, she was in college. And um, I really hope and wish her well. Um, That summer, I also had a dream, though, that I should have another student in my classroom. This student, young boy, lost his father and sister in a house fire that same summer that the girl's dad was murdered. And in my dream, I just had the sense that he should be in my class. 
So knowing that I already had a student coming in with some trauma and having my dream about that other student and feeling the need he should be in my class, I just followed my gut. And I went to my supervisor at the time and said, I know this is strange, um, but I had a dream. I had the student before in second grade. I don't know why he should be in my class, um, but I'm hoping that we can make some switches so that he is. And luckily, we contacted um, the fourth grade teacher over the summer and switches were made. You know, when you're doing class lists, it's not as easy as just like, take this kid out, put this kid in. There actually is a lot that goes into um, deciding what students get put in what classrooms. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have him placed in my class after, you know, talking to his former teacher. And, you know, like I said before, I was worried because these are two huge events in these students' lives. And I was their teacher afterwards. But, you know, I did my best and I don't know how that impacted their lives afterwards. All I know is I had, I guess it was my holy Wi-Fi telling me, ask for, for that student in your class and then just do your best, obviously, throughout the year and focused on focus on their emotional, um, more so than their academic, you know, um, well-being. So looking back you know, I'm not wondering so much about like, oh, should I have asked for that kid in my class? You know, I did what I could do to make some change. And I followed my gut. You know, I did what I could do. And I followed my gut. So I think that's pretty good. Right? Um, I'm not wondering how his year would have been or how her year would have been. Um, I knew how their year was, and I just did my best. So that's my first story. I know that's kind of uh, maybe not as direct as this next one, but it, it's just an example of I'm not wondering about if I had, if I should have told my supervisor about the dream or not. And while that might be strange to many people, for some people, they might be like, oh, my God, yes, that's great. You did. <clears throat> you listen to your gut, no matter how it how you receive it, whether it's through a dream or through just like um, a meditation or a thought that comes to mind and you follow through. So I'm glad I did. Um, my next story actually has to do with basketball. <laughs> oh, by the way, on in my basketball story, the last time. um. I said the girl inbounded the ball and then inbounded it again. So I made a mistake. But remember what I said about audio editing. It does take a really long time. But I do know basketball. And this story doesn't have to do with my the middle school team that I coached. And I'm so glad that those girls had that experience. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to episode 10 and listen to it. It's pretty cool. But I'm going to talk about myself. And I played soccer, basketball and softball growing up. And this is a story of a basketball game senior year. So my senior year. And you know how senior year is. You want everything to be wonderful. You want all the great, great memories to happen senior year. You want all the glory, right? 
So here I am, we're playing away. And um, I was having a horrible game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't usually have horrible games. And I don't mean that in a egotistical way. But like in this game, I was traveling and double dribbling like left and right. It was such a weird experience. I don't know what was going on, but I was just off. I was having an off game. Um, but still in it, right? Still keep playing, plugging away. And we get to the final, I don't know, final few seconds of the game. Like the, I don't know how much time was remaining in this game, but we get to that point and we were behind. We we're behind by one because I remember this actually. We just needed a basket, like a two point, a regular basket, right? Not a foul shot, a regular basket just to win. My coach, man, he was insane about basketball, but I actually really loved it because his insanity about the sport made you really, in, well, it, it worked for me. It made me like really enthusiastic about like wanting to play and, and just being out on the court. And he would always give speeches like, hey, if you're playing, if you're on the court, you need to want the ball, you know? And he was like, you need to die for it. You need to run for it. You need to do what you can, you know? If you're on the court, you need to want to play. You're not on the court to hide from the ball or from your teammates. So he was that kind of coach who was just like, just loved the game to the point where he worked at a post office and would use the bins while he was working to like set up plays and and try them out like he just basketball was his life right um so when we get when we're at this game there were like I said there was not much time left and he called a timeout so we get over to the bench and with seconds remaining he's like who wants the ball without even thinking I raised my hand and I'm like I want the ball like I want the last shot fine I mean he didn't say fine he was like all right sets up a play I don't remember play exactly but my sweet spot is about 10 to 12 feet out you know he's the play was set up so that I would be 10 to 12 feet out take the shot I'm a shooter and um that's what we did so we get back on the court I'm ready you know the ball was inbounded everybody need, did what they needed to do then the ball was passed to me I was open about 10 to 12 feet out I take the shot hits the rim and I missed <laughs> I missed Oh my God, when you're in high school and you miss, like with seconds left, it's really sad. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I can't believe, like, believe that I wanted to take the last shot when I was having a horrible game. Like we lost. Um, and I raised my hand and I was like, I want the ball. I want the last shot. And, and I've been living with that ever since. But here's the thing. I learned more that day by missing the shot than by making it. 35 years later, I never regretted that move. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I wanted to play. I wanted the ball. And to this day, I think about how important it is to stay hungry for life and to stay in the game and to play your hardest. And even when everything go is going wrong, it's not about making the shot, but about wanting to take, it's about the, your willingness 
to take that last shot. It's your willingness to play. You know, I had to miss to know I made the right choice. I had to miss to know I made the right choice. So I asked you this, people. Wouldn't you rather a lifetime of knowing than a lifetime of wondering? Think about that for a second. You're not always going to get what you want. You're not always going to know how your choices play out. But if you can make a change, if you can take a chance, if you can go for it and be hungry for life and want the ball, wouldn't you rather have a lifetime of knowing than a lifetime of wondering? Before I sign off, I want to leave you with a quote from Intimate Conversations with the Divine, Prayer, Guidance, and Grace by Carolyn Meese. Grant me the grace of trust, Lord, to not fear the voice of my soul. I know that voice is my lifeline to you, and that to sense it even once means I can never deny it again. Grant me the grace of trust, Lord, that I might begin with trusting my inner self, then little by little, I will find my way to you. Carolyn Meese, Intimate Conversations with the Divine. Start trusting yourself, people. It's time. Take baby steps if you need to. But it's time. I think a lifetime of knowing is better than a lifetime of wondering. Okay, people, who wants the ball? Accept your sparkle, surrender to it, and allow it to be so. Until then, keep shining!